Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Want to help yourself and others process past traumas without having to re-engage with the memories attached? Are you weighed down by your emotional baggage and ready to check it for good? Do you feel drawn toward a career in wellness where you can heal yourself and facilitate the healing of others? The Somatic Activated Healing Method, aka the SAW Method, is a revolutionary wellness practice combining the healing modalities of somatic movement, rhythmic breathwork, positive affirmations, and dynamic meditation as developed by Sadi Simone. This transformative experience has the power to help resolve past trauma, process present pain, and fortify resilience for the future. Students have called the method better than three years of therapy and report a 93% transformation rate after practicing somatic activated healing. This is life-changing work. Want to get involved? We are currently accepting students for our next round of SAW Method teacher training, which kicks off in January 2023. Join our certification program and get on the cutting edge of modern wellness. As a Spiritually Sassy Show listener, we're offering an exclusive 10% discount on your registration. Visit sawmethod.com and enter the code PODCAST to join today. That's sawmethod.com and enter the code PODCAST for 10% off and join today. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the Spiritually Sassy Show. Today's guest is author Mary Firestone. She has a master's in clinical psychology and is on a mission to let others know they're not alone and there's light on the other side of the darkness of PTSD. Her book, Trusting the Dawn, is the story of Mary's survival and transformation through healing. It's an offering for survivors of all kinds of trauma. Welcome, Mary, to the show. Enjoy, my darlings. And don't forget, if you love the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, send it to your friends. Uh, support us to get the message of the spiritually sassy message out into the world. Love you all. I love you all. I love you all. You're okay. You're okay. Get into this episode. Peace. Hello, my love. Welcome Hello. to the show. Thank you for having me. Such an honor and a joy. So tell us, who are you right now? <laughs> who am I right now? It's a really good question. Right now, I'm a mom. I am a partner and I am working to stay in the light and mm. uh, continue to hopefully spread hope, and light. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to you to stay in the light? It's a very good question. <laughs> well, as we were just talking about, you know, there's this eclipse coming and there's a lot of energy. I mean, the election, election day tomorrow, and there's just, a, I feel like a lot of energy. Yeah. 
happening right now. And some of it can feel a little challenging and a little heavy. Um, so I think for me, that means like staying rooted and grounded and, um, reminding myself, like bringing myself back to, to love, to, mm-hmm. um, gratitude, to, um, finding kind of the lesson in some of the hard stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really big challenge to like see the, you know, the, the beauty in the chaos, to see the order in the disorder, to see even the, you know, the, the, the wisdom in the trauma. And, um, I think you, you do that really well. You've done that really well in your book. So let's talk about that. Um, okay. let's get into it. So I think first and foremost, I would love to just get a vulnerable and get into your story a little bit. So talk to us about your story of trauma and, and experiencing and living with PTSD and, how you found your way out. But first, tell us like what that was. So the trauma that led to the healing, that led to the book, Trusting the Dawn, um, That's right. was, was an acute trauma. Mm. Um, you know, I just to give like a little backstory, I had, you know, found therapy on my own at 18 and begun my own healing journey to heal some instances of childhood sexual abuse. So mm-hmm. I kind of had, and I have my master's degree in clinical psychology, been producing and curating these healing retreats for women, pulling in all different kinds of healers. Anything that had worked for me, I wanted to share. Um, so I had that background leading up to um, mm-hmm. it was the fall of 2017. And the Thomas fire, one of the largest wildfires in the state of California, had ravaged all of Southern California. And Mm -hmm. we were evacuated from Montecito, California, just by Santa Barbara, where we just bought our dream farmhouse built in Mm -hmm. 1890. It was lovely, right on this like preserve and in the best public school district and Oprah was our neighbor. Mm -hmm. It felt pretty idyllic, Um, Mm -hmm. but everyone was evacuated. So we left, I was pregnant with my second baby at the time Mm -hmm. and I had a three-year-old son. So, you know, we left, we heeded the evacuation orders and we returned in January, 2018 when everything was deemed safe. And literally, it was like our fourth night in this house with renovations and evacuations. And I had been reading this book on karma. I was in Mm. a spiritual book club with my sister and some friends. Mm -hmm. So reading this book on karma, switched out the light, and uh, there had been a warning for a debris flow. But I didn't really know what that meant. We weren't in the evacuation zone. It wasn't even raining. It felt very balmy. Um, cut to four o'clock in the morning for no reason that I'm aware of. I woke up and there was this like eerily beautiful orange light outside. Like the sky was totally lit up. And -hmm. I looked at my clock because it was like, it's too early to be dawn. It's 4 a.m. Turns out there'd been like a huge gas explosion up the hill. Wow. So it was light. And because we hadn't put curtains in yet, because we just moved in, I literally saw a tidal wave of mud in the mountain just 
coming for us at, Mm -hmm. I think it was like 35 miles an hour. And I screamed, oh my God, go get Ever, my son, Mm -hmm. because his bedroom was upstairs. And by the time I went to follow my then husband, I couldn't. Like the walls had crushed in the glass and mud and boulders and debris was up to my waist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I had to, I had to run the other Mm -hmm. way back Mm -hmm. towards my bathroom. And I watched out my bathroom window as my guest house went whistling down the hill where my mother Mm -hmm. was meant to be staying. And on the right, my two story house had ripped off and spun around backwards. And my son's bedroom was the window facing me. And I thought, that they were in it. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, I couldn't. It was so loud. It was really deafening. And um, I was trapped for five hours on my bathroom counter. The mud stopped right below. I was mm-hmm. freezing, pregnant, thinking everyone I had known, or I thought literally it was the apocalypse. Like there was no signs of life. Neighbors mm-hmm. on all sides of me didn't make it. Um, and yeah, so. <laughs> and oh my I, God. Yeah, it was intense. Mm-hmm. And in the darkness, because the gas went out that night, um, you know, I feel like there was some kind of presence with me. I don't mm-hmm. know how to describe it, but mm-hmm. a loving, um, divine presence is what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. So I was having these flashes of another realm, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then intermittently, like, oh, my God, I smell gas. Like, there's sewage mm-hmm. all around me. I The house is going to crush on me. I'm, you know. So it was um, definitely mm-hmm. a, a, an acute trauma mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that actually then lasted for hours. So, and then mm-hmm. we lost everything, you know, tangibly. Everyone wound up surviving, my loved ones. Mm-hmm. But the PTSD followed that. Um, and I had horrible poison oak all over my body because there had been oak, uh, poison oak in the mud. Mm-hmm. So if nightmares weren't waking me up, then the poison oak was. And mm-hmm. anyway, so mm-hmm. that was wow. The not anyway, not anyway. This is big. This is really big. It's really, uh, you know, we often can't categorize or give trauma a hierarchy because we all experience life uh, differently. And what might be a massive capital T trauma to you for another person may not. Um, but hearing you talk about it and, and, and looking at you telling the story, it's um, it feels really deep and, and really painful. And so what are the feelings that this trauma left in your body? Like, what was the emotional baggage? What was the emotional residue that he left with you? So for me, just to like back up a teeny bit, because I've been thinking about like what their trauma is so much part of the conversation these Mm -hmm. days, which I'm so glad that that we're talking about it. And for me, I think trauma is any time when we are up against our own mortality, Mm -hmm. you know, that you think you're not going to survive or that you Mm -hmm. glimpse your own death Mm -hmm. or potential death. So Mm -hmm. for me, having experienced that feeling of like, I'm going to die. I think, you know, what happens in a trauma, we go into fight or flight or freeze, 
which is healthy. It gets us through the event. And usually it typically lasts about 30 days following a trauma. For me and with people that have PTSD, it gets stuck in the on position. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I was plagued with feeling like fear of everything. It was like Mm -hmm. if it was windy, the tree was going to blow down and crush me. We were going to get, you know, everything was a potential death threat Mm -hmm. to me or my children or um, loved ones. Um, So I think there's like a hyper vigilance. I think you're not, my digestion was affected, my sleep, I couldn't sleep, mm-hmm. uh, nightmares. And um, so those were my symptoms, mm-hmm. PTSD symptoms. That's right. That's right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the, it's really wild to see like you have had this, you know, one may say capital T trauma. And in your understanding, trauma is when we are faced with our own mortality. Um, one may say that, you know, for chronically stressed, that would lead us to having, um, you know, PTSD. It would lead us to having this ongoing fog and digestive issues and, and physical pain and completely distracted in the waves of, of hopelessness and, 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 and unwavering fear and paranoia and addictive tendencies and isolation and you name it. And from there, my dear, you, I, I know that very, I know that road really well. You start to then contemplate your own mortality. And then when you, you know, come up against suicidal ideation and then you kind of are faced with this, it's almost like the, 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 the trauma wasn't enough to leave you disoriented. You now are, because of the symptoms, you're now contemplating, is it, would it be easier if I just take my own life? And then having those thoughts and, and living with those thoughts for a while, then I guess the trauma kind of like multiplies itself. The, the weight of the systems kind of multiply, the, the, the symptoms multiply itself. And that was my experience, you know, it's, um, and, and living with it until, slowly found my way into the light, slowly started to make the darkness uh, conscious, slowly started to actually get out of my head and into my body to Mm -hmm. tend to the emotional baggage. You know, I think so much of the work, and I'm curious to see what helped you, so much of the work that I'm doing these days um, is is purely somatic. It's it's no longer talking, intellectualizing, conceptualizing, overanalyzing, speaking about it. It's like w- we don't need to, to per se uh, remember what happened to us to know how we feel. It's there's no need to to resurface a traumatic memory. I don't need you, Mary Firestone, to continue to tell that story of this mm-hmm. horrific event that I have. Like you know, I'm, I have uh, full body chills right now. To, to know the, the weight of the symptoms of what it's like to live with this paranoia, fear, digestive issues, uh, and this very limited perspective, you know? So, so much of the work that I've been doing um, lately, it's very much about what it's like in your body. Mm-hmm. What's the emotional residue that the trauma has left you? And what can we do about it? And instead of asking, why do I feel this way? Or, you know, kind of enter into the blame and, and victim uh, spiral, just really shifting out of that and saying, right here in the present moment, I feel like shit. Yeah. And and what do I do about it? So talk to me about that. Talk to me about, like, what is your your path has been more of this, like, top-down approach, like working with the mind to change how we feel in the body or working with the feelings in the body to change how we, how we think in the mind. I mean, walk us through the process of 
of getting out of the of the spiral of living with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I really agree with you about like that. There's only so much talking and intellectualizing we can do, and how that can get us stuck. Which actually is why I didn't pursue a career in as a therapist because by the time I'd finished that degree, mm-hmm. yeah. I had experienced energy work and Reiki and other forms of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew that I, that that wasn't going to be enough or that there were other dimensions. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you said like, there is this idea, the psychiatrist that I worked with, I did ketamine therapy, mm-hmm. um, as a way of healing the PTSD, which I found really effective. Mm-hmm. But Jeff Becker, Dr. Jeff Becker, he explained to me, you know, how fear proliferates. So, you know, you might have one panic attack in June, and then in July, you have five, and then in August, you have 10. You know, it just keeps growing unless we prune those neural pathways mm-hmm. and, and we can get stuck in those loops. So I found, um, ketamine to be really helpful in pruning those mm-hmm. interrupting loop. those loops yeah 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 and rewiring um so that is one tool that i used that, that i thought was really effective and again it i hear there's like ketamine bars like popping up all over the place that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about working with a trained psychiatrist who you do the work before you do the talking we go up that's here right. first mm-hmm. Then you go underneath and have the mm-hmm. journey, and then you have the integration. Um, I also, right after the first thing I did, speaking of somatic mm-hmm. healing, was I um, did some cranial sacral work. Mm, beautiful. I love oh. all the things. Yes, I I don't partake into the in, into ketamine, at least not yet, but um, um, I have people very close to me who who practice and work with it in a very intentional, sacred, uh, therapeutic way and craniosacral therapy. I mean, yes, yes, yes. Keep it going, Mary. <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, what you're saying about our bodies and um, our bodies are highly intelligent. So instead of like shutting down and being disconnected from them. Like when something, you know, when my stomach was burning two days ago, it's like, okay, like, what are you trying to tell me? And Mm -hmm. like tapping in and listening Mm -hmm. rather than like, I'm just going to take a Tums and make this go away. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, so the cranial sacral, just like receiving, um, and calming, that was uh, highly effective for me. Mm -hmm. Um, EMDR, I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've that mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. that actually I did one session and my nightmares I didn't have them that night so which I know wow. is maybe unusual but mm-hmm, it really mm-hmm. worked mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so I think there's like you know what yet yeah, the mind can be really overactive so how do we work with the mind and I love like you know Joe Dispenza says you know it's kind of like the mind can be like a naughty dog that we you know, through meditation, we keep pulling back and reining mm-hmm. in and working with. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And another meditation teacher I had, he said once, like, well, when you take the trash out, you don't like open up the bag and look through everything. You just throw it away. 
So I think sometimes we do, and I too have this curiosity of like, well, what does it mean? It's like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to know what it means, but mm-hmm. that energy is leaving the building and let's just let it go. <laughs> I love that. And it's it's funny you're bringing that up because one of my students um, of the Somatic Activated Healing Method um, said that exact thing. She said in the teacher training, she said, you know, Sa, what you're teaching here is something that a yoga teacher of mine uh, taught me. And it's exactly that. It's like we are learning to take out the garbage without having to go through it. Yeah. And I, I stand by it. You know, I stand by it. I think, um, I think first and foremost, I think there is a lot of um, healing that happens in being witnessed and being able to speak to a therapist and speaking to a psychiatrist about about your pain, unburdening, uh, and being witness in your unburdening uh, or or in a confessional sort of setup is very powerful. There's tremendous healing that happens. And, you know, we know that like the body keeps the score. It's a very famous book for a reason. And, uh, you know, the healing journey, according to like Buddhist scriptures for, you know, 2,600 years, it's very much been about like going to the body, Track the sensations, track the feelings, track the emotions, be with them until you are able to partner and witness the goddess of impermanence working her magic where Mm. it all just comes and goes. Like everything in life will come and go. You know, everything in life is just, it's it's all transient. It's utterly and profoundly impermanent. But I think we have this like desperate need for the quick fix. You know, we have the, the burdening sensation in our belly and we immediately go to, I need to take the thumbs. I need to take the thing. I need it to go away. But it's like, what if we bring our awareness to it for a moment? And by bringing our awareness to it, can we merge and marry and partner with the goddess of impermanence for even a few moments and witness her magic, mm-hmm. you know, and then. You may witness a miracle. I witness it on a regular basis, this beautiful, profound magic of her grace, mm-hmm. of just like touching that feeling in my body that I would normally associate. Okay, this feeling means that I'm anxious. This feeling means that I'm depressed. This feeling means that I'm that I'm still addicted to this and that. And instead of adding, instead of adding so much extra meaning to every single feeling, can I just stop the loop and just be with the feeling for feelings for what they are? You know, yes, some feelings are sh- are more shadowy and dark and do have an inflammatory texture to our, to our biology. And others do have a more uplifting, more healing texture to our biology. But at its core, what if they're just like passing sensations? What if they don't have to have all this added meaning to it? And I didn't get here right away, honey. Don't get me wrong. So I want to <laughs> I want to hear from you, you know, what you write in in Trusting the Dawn, you know, how to choose freedom and joy after trauma. It's a very bold title. Very yeah. bold title. It's very very audacious to choose freedom and joy after trauma because it really comes down to making a choice. You know, people think that I've been on the in this work for a while and you've been on this journey for a very long time. Um, that it's now our baselines are completely changed. Yeah, to a degree they are. Mm-hmm. To a degree we're more relaxed. To a degree we're less sticky. But, you know, we know that trauma is a fact of life. And as the Buddhist scripture speaks about, pain is inevitable and suffering is a choice. I think all I have now, really, it's that I, I can make a choice to allow the pain of all the little levels of pain to lead into suffering or not. Would you would you agree to this? And can you speak about trusting the dawn, how to choose freedom and joy after trauma that you write so beautifully in your book? Like, what does that actually look like on the day-to-day? Like, how do you 
experience that? And how do you teach that? And how do you, um, you know, practice that in the day to day? Well, I agree too that, you know, I love the goddess of impermanence, what you said, and that everything is, is passing. And so that's sort of like the trusting the dawn, like trust that we're in that darkness. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. literal as I was sitting in the darkness waiting for dawn so I could assess. Mm -hmm. But, you know, also when we're in having those dark, sticky, harder feelings, trusting that the dawn always comes, that it will get light again. So that Mm. is where the title comes from. And yeah, the title is bold. And I also want to make clear that I'm not suggesting that we skip over the hard, sticky feelings. That's right. I thank God for saying that. Thank God, Mary Firestone, for saying that. Keep going. Mm, (laughs) mm, mm. Um, You know, we we heal them. We, We look at them and we experience them. And then on the other side of the healing, for me, lies this, you know, more connected, more real, more dynamic world that I think it's harder to appreciate if we haven't been forced into the contraction of trauma. Mm. Um, So I also, I love, I don't know if you know, Dr. Edith Eager. She wrote, oh Mm. gosh, she's like 98 and she wrote The Gift and the Choice she is a survivor, a Holocaust survivor, and she was in Auschwitz. And oh, wow. I know. So she experienced extreme trauma. She yeah. also was someone that says there's no hierarchy of trauma. Your trauma mm-hmm. is the worst because it happened to you. Mm-hmm. And she also talks about kind of what you just referenced, this idea of like victimization is a fact of life. We will all be victimized in one way or another as human beings. Victimhood mm-hmm. is the choice. To- <laughs> Say it. Uh. So I love her too. She said, I mean, you you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you don't set up camp there, honey. You keep going. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's the choice. Like, And sometimes we need someone to throw the rope down into the pit and pull us out. A lot mm-hmm. of us do. I think it's, it's hard mm-hmm. to, um, it's hard to do the work alone and mm-hmm. this idea of what you're talking about witness to and mm-hmm. sometimes we need a guide, a helper, um, a witness. And, mm-hmm. and how do I, I think you had another question, like how do mm-hmm. I stay in that choice? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do we uh, practice the choice? Yeah. You know? Well, this is something too, because I have a lot of daily practices. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like a full-time job. Like I That's wake right. up, I do my qigong. I, um, you know, I meditate. I read something inspirational. I do a gratitude manifestation letter every morning, and um, it takes time. And also, it keeps me, for the most part, in in a in a good place. And also, it's like on those days when you're like, oh, I feel great, everything's great. To me, those are the days like definitely do it, right? Because then it's like. When we do dip, because we will, because life goes like this, the recovery is that much faster. Mm. Um, and people, you know, say, well, I don't have time to do all that. And, then, you know, I've got kids. And I'm like, I've got kids. And I understand it takes a lot of time. But do you make time to go to the gym every day or mm-hmm. work out? Most people mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. So why would you work out your physical body and not work out your emotional, mm-hmm. spiritual body? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. But what do we tell somebody who is like a, a working mom of three kids and she's a single mother, she has, she's working multiple jobs and she genuinely, looking at her life, she, she genuinely has no time off. If Even if she, you know, she could try to wake up at like 4.30 in the morning because her, her shift starts at 6, um, but it just feels completely unreasonable. Like, what can that person do? What is someone who is, doesn't have money or time to, to do this work um, or at all? Because, you know, you and I are in a very, very privileged positions to be able to actually have the time. Mm. Um, and we are so, we're dedicated to, our, our, our lives have become dedicated to it because of karmic circumstances that have, that have granted us this massive privilege to devote our lives to, to spiritual practice, to personal liberation, the liberation of all beings. But I want to speak to that person who is overworked, exhausted, has no capacity to dream a new dream. They, they're just at, at, their, at their end, you know, and they're listening to this show for some support they haven't gone to the gym in years because they don't even have the money to go to the gym, and they're listening to the podcast because this is a free resource, um, you know. So, what can we what can we offer them? Sa, so, I think that's a great great point. And actually, there's a part um, at the end of the book where I talk about like my daily practices, and I had this like moment <laughs> feeling so frustrated about like God, people that yes, mm-hmm. I, am I privileged? I am beyond privileged, and Still, there's days where I'm like, ah, it would be so much easier to be more spiritually tapped in if I didn't have kids and I didn't have to mm-hmm. work and I didn't have to do this stuff. And then I realized that is the spiritual practice. Like while we're in it with the babies, with the work, like getting up at 4.30 so we can get our children to school and get to the first shift. And mm-hmm. so... um I would say like a, you know, this is a great resource. Also meditation is free and we can, there's all kinds of meditations. We can do them moving meditations while we're Mm -hmm. actually engaged in some kind Mm -hmm. of work or with our Mm -hmm. children or, um, Mm -hmm. so I think that's a great place to start. Um, Mm -hmm. I also love flower essences and essential oils. They're not Mm -hmm. free, but you know, they can be, um, bought at a pretty nominal price, even on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And there's different, um, essential oils that rose geranium can soothe fear. Um, Mm -hmm. juniper is detoxifying frankincense, um, gives a sense of hope. So there's different ways to just to even start in our getting ready in the morning, mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. might mm-hmm. take a few drops and just take a mm-hmm. moment to connect with herself and her body mm-hmm. and know mm-hmm. that she's not alone. I think that's mm-hmm. something else I really want people to know that mm-hmm. trauma and um, depression and that it can feel so isolating. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. you're the only one that's ever felt that way and experienced mm-hmm. this, but you're not alone. We're here, mm-hmm. there's that's a right. whole community. You mm-hmm. did nothing wrong. I think that's something else too with a lot of trauma, especially with mm-hmm. sexual abuse. Like, mm-hmm. did I somehow provoke it? Like, no, you did nothing mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. You're perfect. And we're, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's mm-hmm. a process of becoming mm-hmm. whole again. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love this. Thank you for that. And, you know, I just want to offer just a just a, a, a little something here too. It's like if you are doing the essential oils in the morning and you are engaging with the breath, you know, throughout the day, I mean, ideally, yes, you will, you will carve out some time to sit and practice and, and do the qigong and the gratitude list and all the things. And if life is hectic as fuck right now, that's okay. The yeah. way to do it is slowly stop multitasking, you know? Slowly stop being late to everything. Slowly stop eating the foods that you know aren't aren't good for you. Slowly start to drink more water, you know. And I think also one massive thing too, it's like even if you can't do any of that right now, just take a few moments throughout the day to just pause and take three long deep breaths and give your mind the coordinates of your body. Where is my body? Okay, I'm sitting in the parking lot at Target right now, in between work, you know, everything's happening. But give your mind the coordinates of your body. And in that glimpse of the mind embodying the body, there is consequences to that. The consequence of every moment that we spend in our body, there is freedom. There's forgiveness, there's kindness, there's presence, there's abundance. We we, um, underestimate the power of just like, being in the body as like how profound it is for the karmic consequence for a whole new life to happen. Mm-hmm. But for me, there are days that I, instead of me sitting for a whole hour in the morning, how I used to do it, or in a whole hour in the evening, how I used to do it, you know, things are very busy. I got a lot of people that I have to take care of right now. So it's not to say that I still don't sit, but it's just not as long these days. Um, especially with all the traveling, all different time zones. But what I do practice is presence. I'm constantly reminding myself, be in your body, be in your body. So can you speak to like being in your body? Do you speak about this um, in, in, your, in your book about the importance of, of embodying and, and being in the body? Can you talk about that for a little? Yeah. And I love what you just said. And, and you are reminding me too, that breath work, uh, breath is... <laughs> free. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Yes. uh, You know, and I've recently been practicing a little bit of the Wim Hof breathing. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. And there's also, which I, um, in the Chinese medicine chapter, I talk a little bit about like the six essential sounds, I think it's what they're called. But, you know, if you exhale a certain way, it helps a different organ release. Wow. Wow. So I've been practicing that too. And we can do, like, we do that throughout the day. And I love what you said, just like mm-hmm. take a deep breath, like ground. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, so I do, I talk about the physical body, like nutrition after a trauma. Um, you know, the recommendation is eating cooked softer foods because your body's mm-hmm. like that, if you think about it. So just the less your body has to do physically, it helps the recovery. Um, oh my God. Thank you for saying that. Okay. So in the book, you speak about the foods to eat post-trauma. Yeah. Oh, Mary, that's brilliant. <laughs> Why did you say this all along, honey? That's genius. <laughs> Cooked foods. Yes. I love this. Keep going. So the book is broken down into, and forgive me for not looking at it ahead of time. We share we share um, a, a great friend and someone who supports our, our work. So 
Colleen was like, you got to talk to Mary. She's got a, she's got a book coming out. And I was like, uh, done. Yes. What, whatever, whoever you say, Colleen, no worries. Um, so, okay. So in the book, you talk about all these different modalities. And yeah. one of them is to eat cooked foods as a post-trauma recovery. Wow. Brilliant. Keep going. Yeah. And then also along the lines of nutrition, you know, in the Chinese medicine chapter two, because I feel like the Chinese medicine actually really addresses like eating cooked walnuts, um, you know, sauteed in sesame oil helps with our kidneys and kidneys help boost our immunity. So like with all this COVID Mm -hmm. stuff, especially Mm -hmm. I think it helps with the lungs. So that was something that I was doing a lot um, Mm -hmm. during the whole COVID crisis. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, And moving our physical bodies, you know, you referenced the body keeps the score and then also Peter Levine, the, mm-hmm. um, the mm-hmm. wake, the tiger, you know, I'm talking about the, mm-hmm. <laughs> like animals in nature, when they escape the tiger, they shake as a way of discharging the excess cortisol and adrenaline. We do not shake, we hold. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the, the memories get locked into our tissues, into our organs. So I talk a lot about like shaking and movement therapies. And then this is just such a cool, weird example. I have to give you um, Joe Spenza in his latest book. He writes about a heart transplant recipient. This little girl received another little girl's heart. When she woke up, she started having all of these nightmares about getting murdered. Well, mm-hmm. she didn't know that the heart she received was from a little girl who'd been murdered through mm-hmm. her. And just her recounting, she knew where the body was, what exactly had happened, and who the murderer was, and they found the guy because mm-hmm. literally of the heart. So just the idea that like our muscles and our tissues hold the memories. So if things are not mm-hmm. happy memories, shake, mm-hmm. move, mm-hmm. yoga, dance, mm-hmm. um, their, the psoas is a good muscle to, or I guess it's more of a, um, a tendon, a ligament to release. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I get all into it. Wow. Okay. So it sounds like the book is kind of like a, 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 a like a, a Bible for trauma healing because it's it's got this. I mean, I've never heard of cooked foods as post. As, as, a, as, a, as a recovery, post-trauma recovery uh, protocol. I love that. I love that so much because I do feel a lot more grounded and a lot more relaxed when I eat cooked foods. I spent seven and a half years uh, being super orthodox vegan mm-hmm. and I was having smoothies and salads and really very little cooked foods, to be honest, mm-hmm. until I had to start to introduce uh, you know different kinds of food into my, into my diet. And cooked foods have actually been a, a, a real support mm-hmm. to ground, to relax. And I, I love the fact that what you said, like, uh, so everyone who's listening, like, here, here we go, starts there. But one thing we have to say, like, the cooked food can't be junk cooked food, honey, okay? You can't microwave <laughs> that shit. And I know for you who you are in a massive struggle right now, that's all you've got. You know, slowly, slowly, like just, you know, try to make uh, one meal a day that's like more, uh, more base in whole foods, right? 
Yeah. And like even, you know, soups and stews. And mm. that's something that, you know, you can get stuff and just throw it in and kind of leave it on simmer and leave it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, you know, I understand mm-hmm. when you're frantic and like you don't have time mm-hmm. and someone's screaming and whatever. Like, mm-hmm. okay. But I, I love anything I can like bake. So mm-hmm. you just stick in and you can walk away love from that. it. Or like just the stewy, like mm-hmm. a warm, especially as we're moving into fall and winter, you know, the mm-hmm. stews really good to mm-hmm. warm up the inside. Mm-hmm. Very true. And honey, you can make a soup, okay? And the soup you can make <laughs> it on Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> we can make a soup on Sunday night that can last you all week. I'm all about foods yeah. like that, you know, make totally. a big bowl of green soup, you know, and, and you have it for the whole week. And that's a great way. Okay. I want to ask you two more questions before we go. Actually three. First, how do we, um, what, like, what's the role of forgiveness in the role of recovery, you know, in your case with, uh, sexual uh, trauma and and just all the things that you have uh, overcome and are overcoming and are in recovery from, what's the role of forgiveness in that for you? That's a big one. I have been working on forgiveness for decades. And I think, um, you know, going through the mudslide trauma and some of the healing work, I, di- I wasn't thinking that some of those earlier abuse instances would come up to be healed and they did. I had um, actually like a very clear for me with the mud side with the ketamine, I had this depersonalized vision of, you know, or under knowing that it was just a force of nature. It just was, you know, which, you know, of course, but there's some mm-hmm. part that felt personal until that experience. And then I had this awareness that just as the mudslide was a force of nature, and I happened to be in its path, whatever was moving through those men was a force of nature, and I just happened to be in their path. Mm. So for me, that allowed um, allowed some level of like greater distance, almost, mm-hmm. that helped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also, it's like, you know, the guy that molested me when I was seven, he was 70. That was a long time ago. He's probably Mm -hmm. been dead for decades. But Mm -hmm. by me holding on to resentment, is it the Buddha, I think, that said, like, Mm -hmm. resentment is like poisoning yourself and expecting the other person to get sick. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. So I think understanding that, and then for me, something that really helped me in forgiving those men was thinking about what had happened to them as, I mean, I don't know, but my, right. And kind Mm -hmm. of if I could visualize their childhood selves, that something had happened that had Mm -hmm. set this darkness in them or ignited this darkness in them, Mm -hmm. then it allowed me to kind of forgive that child version of the Mm -hmm. man. So, mm-hmm. you know, wow. some, some days I feel really all set with it and then other days, you know, we get pulled back and that's right. I think that's something important to, to say that mm-hmm. healing is not like a, what's the, like a, not a linear journey mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. sometimes we get pulled back and that's okay. And it doesn't mean you're failing, mm-hmm. but maybe, okay. Mm-hmm. Ooh, what an opportunity. Something else to look at here. 
okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. What else do you have to show me or teach me? Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and your sweetness in your voice and uh, the grace from your presence, it's, it's very clear that the work is working, you know? Uh, so that's really beautiful. And, and I love what you said about, about what the force of nature that was, you know, coursing through these people and through the mudslide and all that, like it, it, it makes it less personal, you know, and that's a big thing in Buddhist psychology. It's like, stop, um, you know, stop overly identifying, um, with your pain, with your trauma, with your experiences. And at the same time, you got to go through the rage. You got to go through the, even, you know, I even say this with like a little bit of, 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 um, resistance, but it's like, you have to walk yourself up to the point of plotting the revenge. You have to go to that edge of plotting how you're going to make this person suffer to the degree they've made you suffer and then let it all go. Yeah. Once you arrive at that edge of you doing something to punish them in equal measure to how much they've punished you, they've hurt you, and then letting it all go, that is the nectar of what forgiveness could be. That is you really like, you know, uh, um, experiencing the the halo, the grace, the of of the celestial realm. You know, I think that's when we actually experience a miracle and experience a, 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 a degree of a, of a mystical experience, you know, when we have that. But the reason why I say this, go to the degree of plotting the revenge is just because it's not that you actually will do it. It's just to give you, give people the understanding that you gotta go through the motions. You got, you have to be radically aware of, of, you know, all the things I've gone through. And, and one question that I, that I ask uh, students these days, it's like, instead of, instead of asking what happened to you, you know, um, it's are the feelings of something that has happened to you still in your body? You know, Mm -hmm. is there an emotional residue still lingering in your body? Mm -hmm. And your body's going to tell you, yes, honey, I got a lot of (laughs) shit for you to work through. And then through that process, like allow yourself to have a witness, um, a friend, a coach, a therapist, a psychiatrist, a, a, a group mm-hmm. where you can unburden that rage and be witness for, you know, uh, you spoke about Oprah earlier. There's an interview uh, from Viola Davis and Oprah and I'm paraphrasing what Viola said, but she said something to the, to the effect of like, I'm an actress because it's a safe and celebrated opportunity and place for me to process my own pain. Mm-hmm. I'm now celebrated when I am playing these these really angry characters, you know, mm. the rage has a place to be expressed and acted out. So I think, you know, w- what I'm speaking to, it's that like walk yourself up to that point of you act out the feelings that are stored in your body in a safe way, not you act it out on, on the person <laughs> who hurt you or or on, on a random person. Oftentimes, you know, we know this hurt people, hurt people Absolutely. and healing people uh, you know, heal people, uh, support the healing of others. And um, so it's important to go through the emotion, go through the rage, go through the the deep despair, and then slowly, slowly start to make your way up the emotional scale until the point of where you have, you know, the audacity and courage to to forgive and to really remember that to forgive is to, you know, to relinquish, to to destroy the desire to punish. You're no longer seeking to punish. And and Thich Nhat Hanh speaks about this so so beautifully. He says something to the effect. I'm paraphrasing what he said. He says, 
um, um, he says we are, when someone is hurting another person, it's a cry out for help. Mm. But instead of us helping them, we punish them. You know, mm. so I'm I'm a, a huge advocate for restorative justice versus punitive justice. You know, and and really, and to to walk the path of restorative justice, you have to make a vow of nonviolence. And to arrive at the path of walking on the footsteps of these great saints and sages of nonviolence, no matter what happened to you, no matter no matter what you've done or what was done to you, regardless, arriving at a place where we're just able to let go. Because of it. it's it's part of this force of nature, which I love what you said. That's such a beautiful, eloquent, sophisticated way of explaining. Uh, pain is a fact of life. Trauma is a fact of life. Shit's gonna happen, right? Mm-hmm. Are we gonna hold on to it? We're gonna like you know arrive at a place where we are where we are walking as nonviolence uh, beings of of emanating this this forgiveness and. You know, I know this is all really tough, right? But to see you as a survivor speaking with this audacity and 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 making this conscious choice to write this book and speak to it so vulnerably, it's very beautiful. So thank you, Mary. Thank, thank you, you very Sam. much. Yeah. And in the book, okay, so yes, sorry, please go. Go, 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 go. No, 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 please. Because my, you know, a mudslide is a unique trauma for most people. But I did, I interviewed all different kinds of trauma survivors who had, you know, come out the other side and, you know, are living with freedom and joy just so other people could find themselves in the book and there and relate. Um, so mm-hmm. just wanted to. Good. I'm so glad you said that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the, the book is in the, you know, to, to order the book is the link is going to be in the show notes. So easy for you all to get the book and, and get into all this, um, you know, I'm not I'm not rebranding the book by no means, but it sounds to me, Mary, that you wrote, uh, you know, um, a, a Bible of recovery from trauma of there's so many epic tools, you know, that we can rely on. So two last questions before we go. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had a mystical experience? Has the black Madonna appeared in your living room or has the Buddha <laughs> showed up in your bathroom or whatever it may be? You know, it doesn't need to be to that degree, whatever. Like, have you had a mystical experience? Yeah, that night, you know, I was sort of referencing it. There, there was, I, I would say that was a mystical experience. There was another presence with me. And when I look back to, you know, there were so many things that had to line up within seconds perfectly for me to still be here and my, um, you know, my son and my then husband to still be alive. So I feel like they're, yes, I feel like that was a mystical experience. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I don't know if we would call like the ketamine, but in the witnessing of the, the mudslide, the vision that I had was very much like angels and gold, like pouring the mud down the mountain and these golden streams, like pulling up the 25 souls that that left the earthly realm that day. Mm. So I, I really, and then through the breath work too, we've been kind of dancing around breath work, but like holotropic breath work, I've had like very intense visions of knowing that I have been a, a witch or a healer in past lives mm-hmm. and been burned. I think they call it the witch wound. That's right. Um, <laughs> but that kept showing up, you know, that showed up in several breathwork sessions 
And then also I did a past life regression for healing, which mm-hmm. I recommend. Um, and that too was like very clear. So, and then I had, you'll love this. I'm like, did I, did this really come through? Or did I make this up? But in the <laughs> past life, you know, uh, I was this knight and I was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a man. And then I was like, no, no, no. I, I wasn't Joan of Arc, but I was some kind of female knight with a long blonde braid and I was fighting for good. And then I had my big sword and stuff. But um, I had a message that was like, in this lifetime, the pen is your sword. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I have this book, you know, and all this stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. did that really happen? Did I make that up? So I, you know. <laughs> I mean, who are we to say, you know? I, 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 and I think we have to leave it up to to the mystery. I think oftentimes we want to sort of a, um, like dumb it down or or we we society has pulled away mysticism from a myth you know we are so drawn to having these like uh you know to truth being only sort of explicit but like you know it's it's it, it, through through mysticism and mystical experience they're so implicit uh so it, it, it i i'm with you honey i'm with you <laughs> and yes it as far as I'm concerned, it happened, you know? (laughs) So last question I want to ask you is what does it mean to you to be spiritually sassy? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I think to be like having these conversations and to be, you know, to have written the book and say like, hold on, like, um, the way that a lot of trauma experts even are talking about trauma and healing, like it's freaking traumatizing. So I feel maybe a little bit of sass, especially, you know, I grew up with a Southern mother, like a Mm -hmm. steel magnolia. So I feel like a little bit, I'm like talking back to some of these trauma expert authorities, like, "Mm, I think we need to rework this and, and reframe this, like instead of markers of like PTSD, it's like, how about markers for growth? Like someone Mm. has experienced these things that are hard, and it is like markers for resilience or growth, sort of like reframing. But maybe mm-hmm. I'm a little bit sassy in that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, because it takes audacity to do that, and it takes audacity to stand up and say, "Let's let's reorganize the conversation, or let's add a new dialogue, a new set of you know, let's let's give new meaning to this, you know, uh, uh, or a new orientation, a new direction to it. And I love that. So thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, thank you for being on the show. It's been a joy to have you, you, my dear. You are a joy. (laughs) Oh, honey. I'm just a reflection of you. You know, what what you see in me is in you. So there you have it. Thank you, my love. I appreciate it. Thank you. you so much. Thank you. I'm Sadie Simone, and you've been listening to The Spiritually Sassy Show. If you haven't yet... Go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And join me next Sunday for another spiritually sassy conversation. Thank you so much for listening, and I love you. Bye.